Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, I'm in quite the tangle, listeners. Cables literally everywhere. I'll be blown if I'm going to miss out. I'm recording this again from the garden in a heatwave. Now, this is going out on a Thursday, I think, by which point the heatwave will be over. The absolutely, aggressively distressing nature of global warming aside, I am in the garden making the most of the sun. It's hot. I can't think. I can't think how to solve global warming. All I will say is if anyone was ever in any doubt, if anyone's got that aunt or uncle who says it's not real, drop them a line. You'll find them in the garden. They would have just ordered a paddling pool from Argos. I have no affiliation to Argos. Other than it was my absolute dream as a kid. I used to love going in there and they had free pencils. What more could you hope for? And they will be in their paddling pool in the garden. Hang on a second. Why haven't we had a hosepipe ban? They were all the rage when I was a kid. And I wonder why we haven't had one yet this year. Anyway, sorry to anyone listening outside of the UK, because I am aware this is an international podcast that seems to only speak about local weather, which is not a recipe for success. But listen, in case anyone hadn't quite noticed, the Brits are obsessed with the weather. Oh, so funny thing happened today. So there I am. I think it's like 36 degrees right now. So I'm in the garden trying to get two weeks worth of tan within about 45 minutes. But being a good little camper, I put on some sun cream. Factor 30. Now it's next to me. It's called Alba Botanica Sensitive Mineral Sunscreen. So it's really cool because... Oh, it's water resistant. Right, this is all becoming clear. Because it also says it's reef friendly. Not many of those around here. But I obviously appreciate sentiment for those swimming near reefs. Um, went on very easily and uh, wasn't cold, which I loved. And just sprayed it all over my body. Then I had a Zoom. So two minutes before the Zoom, I'm like, well, I better get out of the sun and go and look. And it was quite an important meeting. So I zhuzh my hair, put a T-shirt on that's dry, look like I'm just sort of in the middle of a day's work when actually I have been sunbathing. And, you know, when you open Zoom your face appears in front of you very quickly before you join the chat. I realised this sun cream had not rubbed it into my face at all and I looked like Casper the Friendly Ghost. I had like a thick white cream all over my face. So I had to like quickly run off, try and soap it off my face and it wouldn't come off. So then I sort of had to go at it with a towel, just trying to like sandpaper it off my face in the intervening 120 seconds before the call started. So then I splashed my face loads and then my t-shirt was covered in water. So I joined the call T-shirt covered in water and a very, very red face, which looks like I'm just really burnt. But did anybody notice? I don't know. I need to investigate. I need to speak to a couple of people I was on the call with and go, did you did you notice anything? Anyway, that's my big news. Um, This is Homo Sapiens, in case anybody was wondering. You're listening for all your queer news, life, loves, laughs, 
life from a queer perspective. That's our tagline. To spice up your heat wave, which I suspect as this goes out will now be over, to spice up the torrential rain wherever you are in the world. We have got such a good episode today, even if I do say so myself. The band Hercules and Love Affair is one of my favourite bands and has been for God knows how many years. Amazing music videos back in the day. Well, always amazing music videos, but as in how I first discovered Hercules and Love Affair was their music videos, I think. And Andy Butler is the sort of creative force behind it, but it has had many members, including Anoni. Now, Anoni, in a musical sense, was previously known as Anthony and the Johnsons. That was their band. And they did a song together called Blind, which is an amazing song, an amazing video starring Jamie Winston, Ray Winston's daughter, and directed by someone I know called Sam Faramand. I just remember it being an amazing thing. But Andy is today's guest on the podcast, Andy Butler from Hercules and Love Affair. And he is a DJ, he is a queer man, and he is the creative force behind Hercules and Love Affair. And again, this is an in-person chat, people, um, because that's what we're doing post-pandemic, trying to get back out there. So we met up and we had a chat and it is the most wonderful chat with someone who is just so wise and insightful and kind and has obviously been through a lot. And he talks about so much stuff that he says that he's never really spoken about is all so relevant to everyone on the LGBTQIA plus spectrum and beyond, I feel. You know, our relationship with sex, our relationship with intimacy, uh, our relationship with music, you know, and the history of queer music, tons of stuff to learn. And how do you navigate that? And he's really funny and he's very humble. And he is someone who's actually done incredible, incredible stuff for such a long time. And we just gas, gas, gas. So that's today's guest. You're going to love it. Now, last week's episode, speaking of special episodes, last week's episode, Vic Parsons went down to Trans Pride for us in London, and so many lovely messages, particularly from the trans community, about what that meant for them, and how it was a beautiful record of a wonderful thing. So thank you for your lovely messages. Uh, please let us know. It was I just felt like I was there celebrating and protesting at the same time. What more could you ask for? I want to hear more. What did you think? What other events would you like us to go to? We're going to go to UK Black Pride because that's um, quite soon. And I want to hear from you, people. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Write in. Tell us what's going on in your world. Where are you going on holiday? If you are lucky enough to be going on holiday. Where are you going? Where are your... I was thinking this today. Like, Where are the most sustainable places to go on holiday? I.e., and I'm riffing here, like... Is it much more sustainable to get the Eurostar somewhere if you're lucky enough to be able to go on holiday? But, you know, is there places you can get to by train that is more sustainable than travelling by plane? This is when someone will tell me that actually train is the worst form of transport. But um, I was just interested in that. Uh, I'd love to know if anyone has any resources around that. So write in. Hello at Homo Sapiens Podcast or on Instagram at Homo Sapiens. Also, lovely email I read out to Andy Butler in this interview because um, I'll, I'll let you listen to it. But all started with a coincidence. Very, very interesting. And if you haven't recently, I implore you to open up your laptop, go to Apple Podcasts on your laptop or desktop or phone, actually, probably phone. Go to Apple Podcasts and give us a review and you could win a T-shirt and um, what else could you win? Um, glory. And we all love that. 
did have one other thing I wanted to say, and I can't remember what it was. I know what I wanted to tell you about. One quick thing. So, Joiner's Arms in London's Hackney. It was a brilliant venue where I used to hang out tons in my youth. People called at Friends Joiner's Arms, all one word, on Instagram, are trying to open the UK's first accessible community-run queer venue in East London. They're trying to raise money, so go to at Friends Joiner's Arms, and if you can donate, there's lots of different ways and lots of different tiers of donation. Please go there, please support it. It's the UK's first LGBTQI plus community-owned space. We need more of these things where we can all go and meet and hang out and drink tea and laugh and jape and more. For as little as £25, you can get a stake in this queer space, uh, which means, I don't know, there's all sorts of perks they've written about us on the website. Anyway, I thought it was cool, so head on over. Uh, let's go and have a listen to the wonderful Andy Butler. I'm going to call it life-changing, and I don't use that lightly. Well, I mean, I did once call Fintus Crispy Pancakes life-changing, but I stand by it. Uh, here's our lovely chat with Andy Butler. When you're talking about being a DJ and then you're doing stuff as an artist where you're performing and things which i imagine they are different gigs right they are whole. different gigs but for many years they were similar because i was putting so much dance music forward mm-hmm. that you know people could come it was very easy f- to slot us in in between djs or uh, in an event like that uh, okay yeah it was dance music facing so but do you find that you live in a kind of dual existence of when you're playing big gigs in mexico they're in quite not queer spaces i suppose but then perhaps more as an artist you're in slightly more queer spaces would that be well so i definitely experienced that in uh, and i have experienced that from the beginning mm-hmm. uh I, you know a lot has changed in the 15 years because it's 15 years since i've been doing professional music and i'm so happy to, to report that a lot has changed wow. but not as much as we might want right not mm-hmm. as much as we might imagine we there's definitely a lot more work to be done and you know i've played some gigs which were just shockingly non-inclusive and i was really like why did you book me like what am i doing here you know what i mean yeah but um the hard say in the in the industry we have the the hard ticket shows which are like the shows for my fans the standalone hercules and love affair shows yeah Oh, there's some they're the most diverse and beautiful atmospheres uh ever so truly truly queer spaces yeah. you know yes um but yeah sometimes i'm I find myself in a like a room where it's like okay i think that guy back there in the corner in the suit is gonna dance to sylvester but i'm not entirely sure but nine times out of ten he dances till sylvester <laughs> Good on him. It, yeah, because it's funny because I used to go to... So my first ever job was working for MTV as an intern. So what I used to have to do a lot was go to Global Gathering. Have you ever played that? No. Okay, so it's a massive festival and it goes on for three days and it's heavy on the drugs. And people like Errol Al can play and stuff and like yeah. amazing artists play. But I felt there's a real... I was experiencing so many different kinds of spaces is what I'm trying to say. So I could go, because dance music kind of is like this, and electronic music is this kind of home for queer 
spaces and queer people to unite and be as one. But then also it is like going to a football match. Oh, those yeah. things like global gathering, like it was so aggressive. I've never been in such aggressive spaces. In the early days, we played a couple of these shows. Like mm-hmm. when we first, when Her- when Hercules was like a band mm-hmm. that, you know, we, the band of misfits as I, you know, mm-hmm. we, 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 we were a really amazing, beautiful group of people to look at on yes. stage, you know? Yeah. They booked us, I think, a festival called Creamfields. Oh, that was another one I did. Same, same deal. Oh my gosh. I mean, we played and it was like, it was a bunch of mannequins or like stiff boards. Yeah. Like maybe one or two of them were going to pelt us with a beer and we got off stage early enough that they, <laughs> that didn't happen. But it was really like, it was weird. We were like, you know, and, and there, that was definitely a moment in 2008, 2009 when this level of visibility and also just the fact that like there's been enough retellings and re like enough people have come forward and said like this is queer culture Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. is like all you guys you love these parties well you have a there's a debt of gratitude to Mm -hmm. the black and brown communities and the queer communities in america that made this stuff happen yeah in the mid 70s starting in the mid 70s you know like and the story's been told enough mm-hmm. i think at this point um and it the sh- the narrative is sh- is shifting even more as it should towards a little more long race lines too mm-hmm. um where you know these football hooligans who are like you know raving to dance i mean it's crazy like i said sylvester earlier mm-hmm. like there was a a huge dance music hit that sampled the village people right. of all things that became huge yeah. with like the most bro dance music community, yeah. you know? Yeah. But they don't even realize that that sample is coming from a village people song, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so the lines are, are, are getting blurred. The story is sort of much more accurately represented now. Um, you have a lot of like the sort of top tier DJs, like like showing out like you have people like uh honey dijon or the blessed madonna or you know you you have a lot of women representing now you have a lot so the story is being told Mm. differently and and we we talk about like the bros or whatever but like in the span of one night you can change so many minds and Mm. i i do know that really i know that for a fact so a really great dj set can uh open up a lot of people I was in Mexico this weekend and, uh, you know, I was in a, a t- town called Puebla. I'd never been there before, yeah. two hours away from Mexico City. And my fans reached out to me like, oh, where are you playing in Puebla? Mm-hmm. And I told them. And one of the people wrote back to me and said, oh, no. Oh, unfortunately, that venue is not particularly friendly to LGBT people historically. Uh-huh. And I wish you were playing at a different club. Mm-hmm. And so said to him, give me all the names that you have to put on the list. And I wrote to a couple others and I said, we're going to change the room. Mm-hmm. They all came. Wow. And I pointed out to all of them in the front, drinks for all of those people. Great. And by the end, they were in this other more VIP area with all of these like and it was like they were the center of the party right. and like all of these other people who maybe because there's also a bit of a class thing and you know a, a visible 
class thing in uh, right. Mexico as well. All of these VIP people were like realizing that these people were the center of the mm. party. I went out from the DJ booth and was like hugging them and talking oh. to them and like, and I don't know, they became more of the central focus mm. of the event. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And so I think a night like that can change a lot of people's perceptions and minds, you know, yes. when they see, oh, there's, uh, I don't know what pronoun she went by or they went by, but I think a little lesbian girl, she's dancing with the DJ that we mm. were just like rocking out to. Like, mm. you know, seeing this stuff is important for them. Yeah. And you got to give people the opportunity to understand that maybe they don't have the full picture. If then at that point they choose yeah. to say, I'm not interested, then that's a then whole, it's a whole different thing. But it is like, you know, particularly with the history of dance music and the conversation that now is, um, by the way, this is stuff I was massively educated on and my education is still tiny. But, you know, like, um, you know, hold music for your insurance company is music from the oppression of black queer bodies in the 70s. You know, and you how would you make that link unless someone took the time to educate you, right? Yeah, I mean, but that's tapping into a whole nother crazy complex. I mean, there's a lot there to mine as well. I mean, so much. It's it's crazy to think about that stuff, you know, mm. branded content that is like, quote unquote, inappropriately branded or yeah. selling. Uh, yeah, I know, as Anoni puts it, selling the pheromone of something for a brand that whose values don't actually align with the artist's pheromones that they're trying to utilize in order to make profit or something, you know, yeah. um, that's a different conversation, but no, I love DJing right now. So the album feeling quite different and exploring different emotional realms mm. right now, I'm loving being able to spread so much joy and everything. And yeah. I look forward to depressing everyone when the album comes out <laughs> but it's not depressing at all i think it's beautiful and triumphant ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I loved the song Dissociation. Dissociation, everybody does it, but it has very specifics to do with the LGBT community as well, you know, and, and to to give it, as, so we're not just using a word that maybe it feels a bit opaque, like dissociation is kind of, would you define it as like going somewhere else in your mind when you physically are somewhere? Yeah, so my younger brother is a PhD uh, in psychology, in psych and so wow. I definitely double-checked. When I wrote this song with him, I was like, um, is this a bad metaphor? Am I allowed to do this? Whatever. Is I love it that. accurately? Signed off. It? And yeah, he's also a musician, by the way. Wow. Okay. And he's queer. Oh. And he, uh, is the, he sings, he's the lead singer for a fairly successful and incredible extreme death metal band. Wow. Um, he's, what are they called? They're called Vastum, Vastum. which means waste. Wow. 
in Latin. (laughs) (laughs) And um, no, so I double checked with him and he was like, no, I I think that the lyrics, you know, you know, while not like clinically, clinically correct, Mm. they definitely describe what's happening. Right. Mm. So my layman's sense of dissociation is, yeah, like something might be happening to your body even. And you're not, you're, you're actively mentally going somewhere else because something's happening to your body. It's something I I talk about dissociation a lot. And how did you end up coming to write that? Because it's a fascinating concept and an amazing song. Well, so a lot of the record, uh, Anoni and I went through, as we all do, our own experiences around emotional journeys, around um, the the chaos, the over over stimulation, bombardment of information and misinformation, Mm. the disrupted disruptive news all of this stuff. But one of the things that definitely affected me very directly at one point in the past years was the very negative impact that social media can have. Mm. I just basically found myself um, seeing just, you know, on an Instagram feed, horrendous things, or on a Twitter feed, like just appalling, like levels of violence. And then you just scroll to the next thing. Mm. And then there's like a tweet about, you know, something that uh you know oh god i got food poisoning i'm never gonna eat at that restaurant again and it's like oh i just saw uh, someone hanged in a different country yeah and uh having all of that stuff constantly i just there was really a moment where i was like almost my eyes glazed glazing over you know i'm like Mm. everyone's eyes must be glazing over on some Mm. level we're all being forced on some level to detach from having an emotional experience to the stuff that's going on Mm. because there's just so much of it. Like there's just such an overload taking Mm. place. And so that's where the song started. And I, uh, one of the lines is like, uh, my eyes can't focus. Uh, I don't even know the lyrics to my own song. (laughs) That's so bad. Right. Um, but it's like, it's basically saying to someone else, like, I know you're with me, Mm. drifting, like I'm drifting right now. Can we ground each other? Is there some way that we can ground each other? Mm. And so in the chorus of the song, I respond to the singer, this wonderful Icelandic singer called Aileen A, just saying, I am here, I am here, Mm. reel me in, reel me in, which is just this like return to this notion of a human contact, like stepping away from this virtual sort of floating dissociative state almost that we all are just constantly finding ourselves sucked into Mm. by way of our personal computers slash telephones that we have all the time and uh just kind of re re emphasizing human connection you know a lot of the a lot of the records about that well a lot of queer people because there's so much shame around sex dissociate during sex and use drugs to dissociate during sex so that you you know, like, I'm not explaining this to you, obviously, but like, as in that thing. of, <laughs> so, I'm like, so I, Andy, girl, I know. <laughs> read the book. Yeah. Um, wrote the book. Um, <laughs> um, but if we crave intimacy, but we're scared of it and we find it shameful, which actually, by the way, is not a specific LGBT thing, but therefore you take some drugs and lo and behold, your inhibitions go down, then you end up having sex, but then you can't actually have sex that isn't without connection it's like you just oh yeah 
you know, chemsex, etc. And oh yeah, recovery from that is one of the hardest things I think in the world. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm recovering from that, mm. um, and I'm doing a pretty good job. You're doing a great job. Well. I'm specifically talking about in the bedroom. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I am doing a good job in general too. So thank you yeah. for that. But, um, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't had a long-term relationship ever. And, uh, like that's a perfect example of like, you know, when you, when you live years of your life, basically maybe coping with trauma, repeating patterns of abuse or, you know, sexual trauma or something and, and it, it, trying to find connection through these like, really uh empty and well empty i won't say they're empty because that's kind of pejorative maybe sometimes these connections are real you know but mm -hmm. you know these these yeah dissociative sort of experiences sexually mm -hmm. um you know it makes the work in a real like loving relationship that much harder when you have to learn it you know mm -hmm. and that's where you learn it though that's where you learn it when you actually decide on some level okay, I'm going to go some, somewhere deeper with this person and I'm going to connect and we're going to go through the different stages and phases of relationship and learn what intimacy, act intimacy really is. Mm. Like we're going to deal with conflict and we're going to get closer because we moved through the conflict. Or yeah. We're going to encounter, you know, awkward, honest, vulnerable moments in our sexuality and mm. we're going to work through those and move towards each other, you know, yeah. stuff like that, which is just not part of the script when it comes to hey get out a glass pipe of, and let's you know spend the next three days obliterated with you know 20 guys i think i know one of their names yeah. you know that kind of thing yeah that's not a autobiographical by the way <laughs> but <laughs> no judgment if it was no there. no it's truly not though i don't know it's funny because i think uh i don't want to make this statement like oh my god Queer people have got it so much better. But I know so many people in straight relationships who have never had to interrogate intimacy because it's very laid out for you what you will and won't do and how your life will go. You know, you don't have to question or make your own decision about which foot goes where as you're walking forwards because you're like, well, I just kind of do what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. And actually, you, there are so many people in straight relationships who don't know what intimacy is mm. because i don't know there's more gender stereotypes around it and things and you know i don't want to talk generally and yet i am but and, you know it's like no, it's, but i hear yeah. you the uh, how, how much of the work the emotional work has to be held by the you know female identifying partner in a relationship yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. you know i'm I'm around a community largely led by women that I participate in regularly. And, uh, we're, I'm, um, among a small group of men, uh, and you know, the sort of, I don't know if, if the, the sort of head of the organization, we, that talks about this a lot, you know? Really? Yeah. And talks about the fact that, you know, along with the conditioning, uh, patriarchal system that we have all ended up in, not only is the heavy lifting often had to be done, by say a woman in a heterosexual relationship but there's also this like there's this implied uh there are all these roles that women end up finding themselves forced to be in like compacted limited in the sense of how much they can express 
even though they know they have to do, they're the ones that have to do the expressing mm -hmm. in order for the relationship to sustain. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like they're silenced, yet they're still the ones that have to do that level mm. of stuff. And yeah. and it's also, you know, right now we're reading um, Bell Hooks, a book called The Men in the Group. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're we're realizing that it's really sad that we as men are also in this position, you know, um, work has to be on, has to be done on both sides. Mm. We all have to wake up more, mm -hmm. um, in order to treat each other more lovingly yes. is what it really just boils down to. Right. Like, yes. cause intimacy also extends into friendships and intimacy extends into familial stuff. Like, like, biologically your your family and stuff your natal family mm. so and a lot of natal families have no intimacy in them a lot of you know parents don't have any comprehension as to how to truly talk to their son or daughter no and it's funny isn't it because i feel like it, the, the path to intimacy the way i try and make sure it's front and center is to not lie and mm. to just try and tell the truth and it's amazing how in families how you are punished if you tell the truth it's amazing how that initial incendiary reaction, but I will say, uh, God, in my family, we've had to tell so many heavy truths <laughs> that it's amazing on the other end, years later, the change that really can happen in a family. Really? Like, I'm so lucky in that regard. Like, my family is, I'm so lucky, wow. but it was so hard at the beginning yeah because what i hadn't realized your brother was queer and because mm -hmm. you grew up in an all-male household right well one very tough girl right <laughs> and was that a sister or a... that was my older sister right and where was your mom mom was trying to <laughs> take care of all of the the chaos in the household while dad was gone okay fine so your dad wasn't around but your mom was. well dad was dad was there every now and then but dad you know uh yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about this recently. Like I've sort of, you, we end up walking in the footsteps of of parents sometimes totally unknowingly, right? But mm. I, my dad had a job where he traveled a lot. So right. I, I have a job where I travel a lot too. Interesting. Um, yeah. So my mom was just trying to like manage the house while dad was out doing what he needed to do. And sometimes that was for weeks, months. And right. uh, yeah, so... It often devolved into a kind of chaos. But the tough part was that when dad came back, he had a very clear picture of what his, what that family was supposed to look like. Uh, right. You know, so, but the hard part is he wasn't there mm. really for mm. it, you know? Yes. So he would come back and say, what do you mean you're great? Uh, can I say bad words? Yeah, 100%. Oh, okay. Can I say bad words? Um, <laughs> my, my dad would say, why is, why your, everyone's grades are shit? Why isn't he excelling at this sport? Why isn't this taken care of? And, uh, you know, there was a big period, especially I, I've reviewed early interviews in my professional music career where I, I, I talked really, really, I think, emotionally over emotionally on some level about my family mm -hmm. um and also with a lack of awareness and uh and i hadn't seen the evolution that that took place say in the last 10 years mm. uh my dad did the best he could on some level but it was really 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 hard because it just wasn't functioning mm -hmm. 
end of part one of our lovely chat with Andy Butler. How do you feel? Have you written anything down that he said? I just think he's wonderful. I'm still in the sun, for anyone wondering. Can't really feel my forehead because it's burning, but I figure if I want to look like I've been on holiday for two weeks, I need to just stick it out. Now, that's a joke. Everybody should suntan safely. I don't want to cause any upset. Anyway, that's the end of part one. Go and have a listen to part two on the feed. It just gets better, if that was possible. It does. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.